0: Thank mm-hmm. you. and welcome to the Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex, what is up, man?
1: Not too much, Mike.
0: I'm happy to be here.
1: And, absolutely.
0: Uh, we got a fun episode today. We do, because you know what? We enjoy the idea of hanging out with our playgroup, having a good time, casting all these battle cruiser spells, and absolutely just being miserable with the friend that keeps playing their stacks deck and you don't want to tell them not to anymore. Um, But you know why you play, Alex?
1: Well, I guess you you play to have fun, but you also play to win.
0: Absolutely. And we're going to talk about weird ways to win the game. Alt-win-cons is our episode this week. And when we say alt-win-cons, that doesn't mean different ways to win the game in a traditional sense as far as, you know, like winning the game through infect or winning the game through just the, you know, getting infinite mana or things along those lines. We're talking specifically about cards that say, if blank, then you win the game, which I think are some of the more fun cards in Magic because, A, they literally say on the card themselves, (laughs) you win the game. But it's almost kind of like this weird Achievement Unlocked thing. Like if if you play a lot of video games, the trophy systems or the Achievement, it's just Achievement Unlocked. You played this card to win the game, which literally did it, you know? Right, yeah. So we compiled our list. There are a total of 27 cards in Magic that have the text, You Win the Game. Um, And we're going to go through all of them. Uh, Unfortunately, we're going to start with a couple that while effective don't affect our format uh first one being coalition victory um this one is three generic and then Woberg for a sorcery you win the game if you control a land of each basic land type and a creature of each color that seems like something that can be done in our format pretty easily uh it's also why it's banned um we can get into a full other conversation. And Alex, I know you're kind of biting oh, your fingers a, right now. <laughs> I want to have a fight
1: about this one. Yes. I disagree fervently it, that this should I, be banned. But I'm biting my tongue. We'll talk about it another time.
0: Exactly. And then there are two others that we're looking at in our format. First one is Battle of Wits. Uh, three generic, two blue enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep. If you have more, If you have 200 or more cards in your library, you win the game. Guess what? We can't have... <laughs> <laughs> anything other than 100 cards so that one i guess not banned but it it certainly doesn't work uh and then the last one is hedron alignment this is two generic and a blue hexproof enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep you may reveal your hand if you do you win the game if you own a card named hedron alignment in exile in your hand in your graveyard and on the battlefield and for a generic and blue you can describe one um You can't have multiple copies of a card in your deck unless it says you may have multiple cards of this, of of this, uh, multiple copies of this card in your deck. So not exactly something that works in our format. Maybe you could get real creative, Alex. I don't know. Um, there's that one card that says this card is all other. I don't know if it works. The point is no, it's just, it's just a non bow as far as that situation is concerned for our format.
1: Yeah, we're technically. If you really want to get into the weeds, there are ways to make these effects work, uh, but we're not. We're not considering those. Like right. Battle of Wits. If you were playing with the uh, <laughs> with rule zero that you allow wish cards, and then you use Sponsor Rulamog to grab hundred and fifty <laughs> Eldrazi and put them
0: into your library, sure, sure.
1: But no, we're not talking about those today
0: the the rules as we're not going to say written but intended say that these these three do not work in our format in a regular playgroup setting i think Wits so, is delightful but it, it's interesting uh, and it, it would be fun to pull off but at that point you're also kind of you're you're opening a lot of doors to a lot of different ways that people could play the game and man i'd Same thing with Coalition Victory. If we go too far into this, we're just starting an entirely new topic. You're right. I I just want to
1: point out that if you wanted to win with that (laughs) Lewitz, you would need to have significantly more than 200
0: cards in your deck. Oh, for sure. For sure. Which is a fun thing to think about. Yes. Listen, everybody has made the commander cuts where, all right, I'm making a deck, and it's 140 cards. Man, I have to cut 40 of these? Wouldn't it be better to just add another 140? Um, Yeah. But not, not today. So not we're going to go, go with the best of the rest here, the ones that actually work uh, in our format. And part of that, we're going to break these down, uh, I'll explain the card. Alex is going to tell us exactly how attainable, how, how hard it is to accomplish this win con. And then we're just going to break it down as far as, you know, how fun is it? Like, is it something that I don't want to play easy mode, to win as fast as possible, unless that's the goal. But I also don't want to bash my head through a wall to eventually get the win con if there's something more fun I could be doing on the other end. So we're going to start with Approach of the Second Sun. This is a six generic one white sorcery. If Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun this game, you win the game. Otherwise, put Approach of the Second sun into its owner's library, 7th from the top, and you gain 7 life. Alex, how hard is it to actually pull off this win?
1: This one is definitely attainable, Mike.
0: Um, I've yeah. won with this
1: card. This card is, is a pretty reliable way to win the game if you have the means to do it. Because obviously you need to draw a significant number of cards and cast it twice, which is you know, a total of 14 mana. That's That's a bit of mana, but... Uh something that's that should be noted here is that it requires that you cast the spell twice but the spell only has to resolve once. Once. Right. And also the restriction that it be cast from your hand is only for the second time, the time that you want to win with it, right? Right. So there are some shenanigans you can do where you could for example copy the spell and cast the copy their effects allow you to cast a copy of a spell, um, and that satisfies the requirement that you've cast it before. That also counts if you cast it and then it got countered and it went to your graveyard and then you brought it back. Um, the requirement for cast from your hand and you've cast another spell already. There's definitely some leeway there, and and this card is is definitely possible to win with. And again, I've won with this card before.
0: Sure, I I mean I've I I've got. Uh, a. Cele- uh, what's her name? Silvalla. Jeez, sorry about that. Uh, Silvala, explore return deck, and I've got a Kino Centiro uh, deck that I like to run alt win cons in, and they both have this spell in there because they both like drawing cards. They both like to make a lot of mana, and when you get into the fun of you know how fun is it to try and win this way, I really like this way to win the game as an alt-win con, because the other thing that you're doing is you're literally putting a clock on the game. Mm-hmm. You're letting people know. This is not something that gets to come out of nowhere to win the game, because you're not casting it from your hand the second time that you're casting it instantly. You know, it's not like, a, oh, I'm gonna copy this spell, as I cast it, I win the game. You know, it's it's a... it's You can try and pull off some tricky stuff with it, but for the most part, people know that it's coming. And I and I, I think that's the best part about it. It's, hey, I'm going to try and win the game with this. It's Which, heavily telegraphed. Yeah, it's fun. It, people know. And if they, and frankly, if if people know that it's coming and they stop it, more power to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Second card here we're looking at Azor's Elocutors. This is a three generic and then two Azoria. So just either white or blue, twice. Creature, human advisor, it's a 3-5. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a filibuster counter on Azor's Elocutors. Then, if Azor's Elocutors have five or more filibuster counters on it, you win the game. Whenever a source of damage deals damage to you, remove a filibuster counter from Azor's Elocutors. Alex, a lot of things going on. How difficult <laughs> is it to win with this card?
1: Mike, it's really hard to win with this card. It um,
0: seems like it.
1: it this card... I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but this is a very flavorful card. Yeah. Uh, because as, as anyone who's a fan of Ravnica knows, Azorius is very law and order style. Uh, they're very bureaucratic, diplomatic. And this, this evokes the idea of a Senate with filibustering and elocution. Uh, it, this is just delightful, but, um, uh, this is, this is going to be pretty hard to rip to win with. Um, there's a, a huge host of cards that we're going to talk about today that have you win the game on your upkeep. And, and you can add additional filibuster counters to this card. Um, there are various effects that allow you to, to duplicate counters, but it doesn't allow you to win the game except with the upkeep trigger, right? So when you have an effect in play that makes you wait until your upkeep, Pretty much by definition, it has to survive around on the table. Now you can you can get fancy and you can flash it in, and and creatures are definitely easier to flash in than, than say an enchantment or an artifact or something like that. But you're not really going to be flashing this in at all because unlike the other ones like Feldar Summer, we'll talk about a little later. Um, without counter manipulation, this is going to take six turns to win with. And during those turns, if anything deals damage to you, it's it's rewinding the clock. So you would need to combine this with uh, with your Solitary Confinement, with your Glacial Chasm, with another effect that makes it impossible for you to be dealt damage because it's already a six-turn clock and you're probably not playing this too much sooner than turn five to five mana spell in Azorius. Uh, this, Mike, this is really difficult to win with, but I love this
0: card. Sure. And I, I like the flavor on it where it's literally you win the game by delaying enough that everybody else just says, fine, fine, we're done. We'll go <laughs> home. Like the idea of a legitimate filibuster just making everybody decide you win, go ahead That's and do great. what you want. It's great, but you're right. There's a lot of things that have to go into making that work, and there's a lot of decent ways to counter it. Also, the fact that it's just a straight-up creature, so dice mm-hmm. to removal kind of a Yeah, Yeah, board. what? Yep. Yep. Okay, moving on to our next card here, we have Baron Glory. Four generic and two white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control no other permanents other than Baron Glory and have no cards in hand, you win the game. So these are two things that are I, I mean, you could do, but doing them at the same time and having this out there, I don't know. Uh, how how easy is this to accomplish, Alex? Well,
1: Mike, as you just said, this is almost impossible. This is probably one of the most difficult oh, win-cons in the game that's even theoretically possible. Um, I, would, I wouldn't really quite put this in the same category as Battle of Wits and Hedron Alignment, which are possible in theory, but realistically never going to happen. This is realistically possible. But it's still never going to happen. Um, one thing that I wanted to note is that this card is a Black Border rendition of a Silver Border card uh, from from an unset called The Cheese Stands Alone. And I do remember the, that. The exact <laughs> same text. They just straight up converted The Cheese Stands Alone, which has the exact same rules text, over to Baron Glory, um, which I think is, is just fantastic. They simply by changing the theme of the card, they turned it into black border. That didn't make it any more viable. It's still a very silly card. Um, and and I want to remind our, our listeners here that no permanence other than Baron Glory means no lands, right? Yeah. You can't have any lands, you can't have any enchantments, artifacts, creatures, nothing. And no cards and,
0: in your hand. This and, is and very difficult. And and again, a time restriction where it has to be at the beginning of your upkeep. Yes. So it, it has to yeah. be one of those things where you basically... Have the ability to, at that point, it has to be an ability to sacrifice all of your permanents, because I don't yep. know how else you would accomplish it. You can't you can't board wipe and then, you know, play this card from your hand and hope that it, it comes back to you and, and you have nothing because you're still drawing a card at the beginning. Of, I don't know. There's well, a lot. Well, what's possible
1: is is you can do one of those ridiculous uh, board wipes that destroys everything right uh there's there's a decree i think it's decree of annihilation that destroys all permanence and destroys all hands um players discard their hand and if you and that's that's quite an expensive card I, I seem to remember that card being uh up there in the meta cost so if you did that and then floated enough additional mana to cast baron glory uh that that would be pretty hard because you would have to be able to cast it at instant speed. But sure. you could probably finagle something like that. Again, this is almost impossible, Mike. You're yep. you're not really going to win with this.
0: And, and frankly, as as far as how fun it is, I it sounds like if this was everybody, I would it, it, like all players except for this permanent. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even talk about it as being fun at all. It does seem kind of like a fun achievement to be able to you know. Oh, I won with this one time. You know. But as far as to make it something that you want to repeat? I don't know. I'd, uh, I, I wouldn't exactly... Yeah, good luck with this one. For it. Yeah. Next card, Biovisionary. This is one generic, one green, one blue. For a human wi- a human wizard, two three. At the beginning of your end step, if you control four or more creatures named Biovisionary, you win the game. Alex, how hard?
1: This is quite possible. Um, sure. One thing to, to note here is that you're in the correct colors for this to happen. You're in Simic. Yep. If there's one thing Simic likes to do it's make copies of creatures. Um, so it's it's gonna be pretty easy. If you're in a copy deck, this is probably in your deck if you're in if you're in green blue colors. Uh, sure. the next thing to note is that this this says at the beginning of the end step. Not yours. So <laughs> Right. So not only do you not have to wait a whole turn to this, go around, you could you could make your copies and then if nobody has an instant speed removal or instant speed board wipe... Uh, You're just going to win. And and as Mike just said, it's the end step. So if you have an effect that is able to copy at instant speed, you can copy this creature at instant speed on somebody else's turn during their main phase, their second main phase. And if they have no instant speed removal, you'll win on your opponent's end step. So this is definitely possible. I've personally never seen anyone win with this, but this is far from difficult to win with. You could definitely
0: pull this off. No, absolutely. And the other thing that I like about it, well, we'll, we'll, we'll like is a strong word. This, <laughs> is, this is the first one that we've seen that you could pretty easily win on the same turn that you play it. Yes, like it, absolutely. It, it, there's, And in fact, of all of the cards that we're going to talk about, there's not a whole lot of them. There's not a big percentage that are play this card, win the game, or play this card, play another card right after it, win the game. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty much out of nowhere victory which is a little bit of a downside uh, as far as the way that I would normally play. It. it it's it's fun to aha I have all of the bio visionaries. But I don't know. I, I I'm I'm not thrilled about winning the game out of nowhere. Some people will be and if you if you want to shock shock and all win then this is a good card for you. Not it's downright viable. Right. Yeah. I get that. Next card that we have here is Celestial Convergence. This is a two generic white-white enchantment. Celestial Convergence comes into play with seven omen counters on it. At the beginning of your upkeep, remove an omen counter from Celestial Convergence. If there are no counters, omen counters on Celestial Convergence, the player with the highest life total wins the game. If two or more players are tied for the highest life total, the game is a draw. Alex, that's a mouthful. Uh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is going to be very, very difficult to win with um, because, again, this has an upkeep trigger. Even if you were to use uh, an effect to remove counters, Hex Parasite, uh, th- there are a few effects that allow you to, to quickly remove counters from a permanent. But even with that, you still need the upkeep trigger. And then on top of that, you need to have the most life, which if you're in mono-white and you're in a life-gain deck... Maybe you toss this in on the off chance you win with it, but Mike, this this is one of those that I sincerely doubt that that you're going to pull off a win with. You have to wait a full round, a full. Uh, you have to wait until your upkeep comes back, unless you have some means to flash out an enchantment. And and I think I'm going to be saying that a lot during this episode.
0: Yeah, and at the same time, like this sounds like just a harder to remove, but also harder to accomplish version of the Azor's Elocutors. It, it requires more counters to be removed from it. Then you also have to deal with the fact that you better have the highest life total at that point, otherwise you're just giving the game to someone else. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, someone's going to protect this for you because well, <laughs> they have a life gain deck and, you, and you're in trouble now. Um, I don't know. It's it seems It seems kind of fun, but I don't like anything that I'm I'm literally counting down, and it's like, okay, now seven turns, and I went Now it's six turns. Oh, now it's five turns, and you're going to win the game instead of me. Oh, better fix that kind of a thing. <laughs> Especially when nothing feels worse than when somebody instant speed removal something when you finally remove the last counter. Um, so, moving on, uh, we're going to Chance Encounter. This is a two generic red, red enchantment. Whenever you win a coin flip, put a luck counter on Chance Encounter. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Chance Encounter has 10 or more luck counters on it, you win the game. Alex, go ahead.
1: Well, I'm going to be honest. Uh, this is obviously, you can only play this in a coin flip deck, and there's only so many of those that you can do. Split and Ocon comes to mind. Um, but that deck has other better win cons that are very strange, like Frenetica Freed, which... Allows you to flip any number of coins, and it's a three mana creature. Um, they, they weren't really thinking about, uh, coin flip EDH decks when they made that card. However, this card is going to be very difficult to win with, even for a coin flip deck, because again, you have to, you have to have a trigger under upkeep. Um, I think that if you're playing a coin flip deck, you're probably winning with Frenetic Free long before you win with this thing. Uh, I, I just can't see it happening very, very often. It's, it's the upkeep trigger, Mike, and it's really going to, it's gonna punish you
0: see i can see it winning but i can only see it winning in that one deck you know that's the like you said the zender split uh okun deck and you're dealing with the kark's thumb and the thousands of things that do the coin flips which to me it, it gives it some bonus points because that is a fun deck i still mm-hmm. want to do that deck but it like you said it's 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 extremely narrow in the amount of ways that it can win, and in the deck that it does work, there's still other ways that you would win first. Yeah. So, I'm with yeah. you. Next one Dark Steel Reactor. Four generic for an artifact. Dark Steel Reactor is indestructible. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may put a charge counter on Dark Steel Reactor. When Dark Steel Reactor has 20 or more charge counters on it, you win the game. Alex, 20 is a lot.
1: It is, Mike, but. You'll notice that there are two separate clauses on this one. Uh, Darksteel has a lot of benefits that these other win-on-your-upkeep cards don't have. Number one, it's indestructible. So this is going to be very, very difficult to remove. You're going to need Exile Target Artifact effect, which is hard. There's not that many of those. Um, Number two, at the beginning of your upkeep, put a charge counter on Darksteel Reactor, period. Line break. When Darksteel Reactor has 20 or more charge counters on it, you win the game. That's very important, Mike, because that means that it doesn't need to be your upkeep when Darksteel Reactor wins you the game. It is constantly checking to see, do I have 20 or more charge counters on myself if I do you win the game? And there is no way to stop that. You could try to disallow one trigger, but it's going to trigger immediately after that. So... Obviously, yeah, 20 is twenty is a lot. You're not going to win by putting this out on turn four, putting one counter on it, and then waiting until turn 24 and winning then. It's just not happening, right? But there are decks that manipulate counters, like Atraxa, the Proliferate decks. Those decks, if you have enough counter manipulation, double counter effects, you could easily win with this card. This is sure. only going to win you a game in a, in a counter manipulation deck. But Mike, this is one of the more viable cards of this type
0: no absolutely it's at the very least it 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 has the ability to stick around a lot better than all the other cards that we've talked about and will talk about um and yeah it's it can go in any deck that has some counter manipulation i also like the idea of putting counters onto something rather than taking the counters off it just seems Mm -hmm. like that's easier there's more proliferate than remove counter cards there's way more, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, it seems like an easier thing to accomplish. 20 is a lot, but you're right. You're not putting this into a deck where you're trying to win on turn 24, because yeah. that's, that's not a very good deck unless you're trying to make games go forever, which means you're probably stacks and Anyway, the next card that we're talking about, Epic Struggle. This is a two generic, two green enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 20 or more creatures, you win the game. Alex, I love this card. I have it in, I think, three different decks as just kind of a fun, woohoo, I'll win, and I haven't pulled it off once. Tell me if I'm unlucky or if it is as hard as I'm making it seem to be.
1: Well, Mike, this has a very easy clause to fulfill for a go-wide deck. If you're in a green token deck, 20 more creatures in EDH, you can pull that off no problem. Uh, You can probably get that done in a reasonable amount of time, too. But that's not the issue. The issue is that you can only win the game when this triggers at the beginning of your upkeep. And I really don't want to keep having to hammer this, but that makes this card extremely difficult to win with because you have to wait an entire turn go around. You have to wait till the end of your turn, the end of your next opponent's turn, the opponent after that, and then the opponent after that, and all of them will have an opportunity to remove this at sorcery speed. Or just wipe the board. And then you don't have 20 or more creatures, so you don't win the game. This is very difficult to win with, even if it's easy to get 20 or more creatures.
0: Absolutely. And I, as far as the fun, it is fun. Because it is cool to say, I win the game just by having this massive army. That's, as far as a flavor win, Absolutely. Um, but like you said, as far as how, how easily you can accomplish that, there's a lot of ways to screw up that plan. Uh, next one, Feldoar, uh, Sorry, Felidar Sovereign. This is four generic, two white for a Cat Beast 4-6 with Vigilance and Lifelink. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 40 or more life, you win the game. Alex, people have some opinions on this card. Uh, we'll, we'll put those aside for the moment. How easy is it to accomplish a win with this card?
1: Well, Mike, you would think that because you start with 40 life in Commander that this would be very easy to win with. But uh, again, you have to wait till the beginning of your upkeep, and this is a six mana card. Um, you might play this in a life gain deck. You're probably not going to win with it. This is going to be very difficult to, to have it survive. It's a creature. You're going to give people... Likely you're going to give them four opportunities once per each player to to remove this um, at sorcery speed. They have options to board wipe. They can spot remove it. Now, arguably, this card should probably say at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 20 or more life uh, than your starting life total, you win the game. But this card is is simply unlikely to win you the game in edh i know that some people are like oh my gosh you can just win you flash it out and win immediately i've never seen that happen this is very hard to win with
0: yeah i mean it's if you're running a life gain deck feel free you know like i I'd, it does have life ha- yeah so have have fun with it at that point um as far as how fun it is i do like putting it, it, it kind of depends on the playgroup and the context i like the okay here's the boss monster defeat it before it comes back to its turn otherwise you all die like that's fine uh I I can see having some fun Mm. with it but I'm not I'm not you know losing sleep because uh, I didn't win with Felidar Sovereign yet yeah Uh, next card we have happily ever after two generic and a white for an enchantment bear with me Mm-hmm. When Happily Ever After enters the battlefield, each player gains five life and draws a card. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are five colors among permanents you control, there are six or more card types among permanents you control and or cards in your graveyard, and your life total is greater, or equal to your, uh, greater than or equal to your starting life total, you end the game. Alex, while I take a breath, go ahead and tell me how hard it is to achieve <sighs> all of those words I just said.
1: This is almost impossible. Um number one, you got the beginning of your upkeep effect, Mike, and, and that's that's gonna put a damper on any any effects. Number two, uh even though this is a mono-white card, you need to be in a Wuburg five-color deck to to run this. Um It's possible for you to construct a situation where you have permanents of different colors in your mono-white deck. It's probably not going to happen though. You need to be in a Wuburg deck for this, realistically speaking. Um, I don't want to, to, to dunk too hard on, on the RC. They, they have a difficult job, but Sheldon, uh, I believe in an article said that this was a, a more fair fixed version of coalition victory. Um, this is a lot harder to win with than coalition victory by a significant margin. So number one, you need to have five colors among permanents you control. If you have one Wooburg permanent that counts, um, you're good there you have like a a legacy weapon or a child of alara uh this is not a a five color color id so something like morophon wouldn't count morophon even though it has color identity wooberg the color is still colorless because it's mana cost uh and it doesn't have any characteristic defining abilities that would change its color so number two you need six or more card types among permanents you control or in your graveyard that's not too bad but you'd be surprised most decks aren't really running uh planeswalkers these days they might run like one or two three planeswalkers uh but the chance of you having a planeswalker on the battlefield or in your graveyard because we'll we'll go over the card types real quick you got land creature artifact enchantments uh instant sorcery planeswalker and this may or may not count tribal some of them do some of them don't it probably does so that's that's eight different card types you need to have six out of those eights um forget about tribal because nobody really runs tribal and you probably have lands on on the battlefield, but you you need to have a pretty wide berth of different card types to make that happen. And then you also need to have your life total greater than or equal to your starting life total, which means you probably have to play this in a life gain deck. So I'm like how many people are really playing a five color life gain deck with a, a huge, even distribution of a bunch of different creatures and then they would also run this card, uh, which, by the way, when it ETBs every other player against 5-Life and draws a card, um, which is a strange ETB effect, but all right. I don't I don't really see anybody winning with this, to be honest.
0: Very quick aside on this. Yeah, I have seen somebody win with this card once, or mm-hmm. at least they would have won. The reason that they would have won is because the rest of the table ignored it, because... But frankly <laughs> yeah. it got played it got played on turn three. Yeah. Seven turns later, he announced, okay, uh it's beginning of my upkeep, happily ever after triggers. And the and me and the other player that were still in the game at that time said, Oh. Okay, I'm gonna remove that. Yeah. Uh... So I I saw it almost win once, and it's because we forgot about it. That is my answer for how fun it is to win with this card. Well, Next! <laughs>
1: go ahead. Mike, I, I, I don't want to... I wasn't there. But from what you're describing, it sounds like you allowed the trigger to go on the stack and then removed it. Because you can't interact with another player's board on their turn prior to their upkeep. And this trigger's at the beginning of their upkeep. Right. So if you remove this at instant speed on their turn... After this triggered, went on the stack. I don't know how to tell you this, but they still won. No, did something else,
0: and that's why I said "quote unquote" won because they let us know, hey, it's going to go to my turn and I'm going to win. They did what you said, uh, gave to uh, all players as advice earlier, and they said, hey, I'm just making everybody aware, this is going to happen. So, we we were lucky in that sense. Okay. if, if they were somebody that was hiding it, yeah, we, we lost. So, yeah. technically, he, he, he didn't concede the win, but he, he snitched on himself, sure. like he said. And I'd uh, recommend it. Absolutely. Uh, it, we, we were happy to play with him again. And the next time that Happily Ever After was cast, we paid attention to it, <laughs> it until we did. Next card is Helix Pinnacle. Uh, this is a one green enchantment with Shroud. It has the ability X... Put X tower counters on Helix Pinnacle. At the beginning of your upkeep, if there are 100 or more tower counters on Helix Pinnacle, you win the game. Alex, I know you have opinions on this card.
1: Mike, I love this card, and I've won it's with great. this card many times. Uh, the way that you win with this card is because this card has Shroud. Yep. Just like Darksteel Reactor is indestructible, uh, Shroud means that this permanent cannot be targeted by any spell or ability from any player. So there is only, there's two ways that you can remove this permanent. You can either destroy all enchantments without targeting enchantments, which granted, some people do run those effects, they're not common. The other way is to force somebody to sacrifice it, which is even less common. Um, So what's far more likely is that 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 player never gets to 100 um, 100 mana, 100 tower counters. You don't even need to be in a counter manipulation deck to make this work. I'm going to be honest, I've played this turn one before, and by turn ten, just banking a little mana here and there, and then on the final turn I'll bank a ton of extra mana. I've won with this card, Mike. This this is a very fun card for a mono green deck, or for any deck with green to, to have if you're running a big mana deck. I think this is just, a, it's a great all-win con. You can definitely win with this card.
0: I I, I agree, because I, I, I have seen you win with it. I've seen you win with it, and got a couple of my own, and I have seen myself win with them. There, it's, <laughs> it, and it, it's kind of the opposite where I don't like the counter manipulation and the removing counters to where it's a ticking clock. This they they call it tower counters, and I like that because you are literally building this giant tower of mana and counters mm-hmm. that you're putting into this shrouded enchantment. I I love it if. If you are playing a big mana deck, if you are playing a token deck that you like to generate mana from those tokens, if you just want to have a mana sink, this isn't even bad as that. Sometimes it's just there as a distraction. And I, I mean, depending on what kind of player you are, all of those fit, but I, I like winning the game. So mm-hmm. that's how I play it. Uh, next card we're talking about another one that you see pretty often Hellkite Tyrant. Four generic, two red for a dragon. People love dragons. Six five, Flying Trample. Whenever Hellkite Tyrant deals combat damage to a player, gain control of all artifacts that player controls. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control 20 or more artifacts, you win the game. Go ahead, Alex.
1: Well, Mike, a lot of people run this card uh, in their dragon deck and, and maybe in their red artifact deck, but it's not because they expect to win the game with it because they're probably not going to. What they want to do is swing in with something that's very difficult to block, flang and trample. Flample, it's hard to block some flample, Mike. Um, You're probably going to swing true with this and gain control of a sizable number of artifacts. And maybe, uh, I mean, you, you never lose control of them, so you do whatever you want, but you might sacrifice them. You might use them for your resources, but what you're probably not going to do with them is save up 20 of them and then win the game on your upkeep.
0: Yeah, there's lots of ways for this to fail uh, as far as a win con, but you're right. The reason that it's in there is I sure would like to take all of the artifacts, please. Mm -hmm. Nom, 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 nom. Tasty, tasty. Um, But it's fun. You know, it, it 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 is absolutely one of those cards where if it hits the board, there's six different reasons why everybody is concerned um, so yeah, I, I, I like the card it's fun, the win con may be a little bit harder to accomplish but it, I, I still enjoy it
1: now Mike, I have a, I have a pop quiz judge question for you Shoot. If, if the if the controller of Hellcat Tyrant has gained control of some artifacts that other players control and then they lose the game What happens to those artifacts?
0: Oh, so we talked about this. So (laughs) they control all artifacts that player controls. That means that they actually entered the board from their hand or something. They're on the battlefield, right? Mm -hmm. Which means they should go back to that player at that point, correct? You're exactly correct. You got it. See, I do listen from time to time. Fantastic. Next Next card, Liliana's Contract. This is three generic and two black for an enchantment. When Liliana's contract enters the battlefield, you draw four cards and you lose four life. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control four or more demons with different names, you win the game. Alex, how hard is it to pull this card off?
1: Well, again, Mike, we're going to keep harping on this. It has it at the beginning of your upkeep trigger. If you play this in a in a demon tribal deck or in a in a shadow uh, shadow apostle, what, what what's the name of that card? Uh, Shadowborn Shh. apostle. Yep. Yeah, if, if you're playing this in a Shadowborn Apostle deck or a Demon deck, um, fulfilling that requirement, very easy. Waiting until the beginning of your upkeep and this not getting removed or getting your board wiped is very hard. Uh, so this will be very difficult to win with. I just want to say this card's extremely flavorful. Uh, Liliana's Contract, where she's indebted to four demons to become immortal. Um, very classic bit of bit of magic storytelling there.
0: Which assists in the actual fun of it. it it's It is a... Fun card to win with, but like I said, it's a little bit difficult to pull that off yeah, um, consistently. Uh, next card, help me out here. Myels. Uh, Myels. Myels Aria. Uh, this is a red, green, white, so anaya enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control if you control a creature with power five or greater. Then you gain 10 life if you control a creature with power 10 or greater. Then you win the game if you control a creature with power 20 or greater. That's a lot of stairs to climb uh, to get to a step to step to step. But, Alex, that doesn't sound impossible. Tell me about this card.
1: No, it's definitely not impossible. Um, Naya decks tend to like to go tall, and uh, and this... this Rewards you for going tall, but uh, again, meeting the requirement of a creature with 20 power, not necessarily difficult. The problem is that waiting and waiting until your upkeep there and and anyone can punish you during that time. However, Miles Aria is not useless. Um, you can you can get that nice effect of getting a 1-1 one, one counter on each creature you control or gaining 10 life um, during your upkeep. But I wouldn't expect this to stick around too much longer after you have a creature with power 10 because people might start looking at it and saying, "Yeah, they might get to 20 power and start winning the
0: game." Right, it's at the very least yeah, it might be difficult to win with this card, but it does a whole lot of other things in the process mm-hmm. of getting you to that win potentially. So, I do like it in that fact and again, I like Battlecruiser Magic, so the idea of having 20 power creatures does not phase me at all because I do that a lot of the time. Right, that's um, not the problem. Yeah, exactly. So the next card we're gonna talk about here is Maze's End. This is a land, that's different. Uh, Maze's End enters the battlefield, tapped. tap it, add one colorless to your mana pool. Second ability, three generic and tap it, return Maze's End to, your own, uh, to its owner's hand, search your library for a gate card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If you control 10 or more gates with different names, you win the game. Alex, first of all, how difficult is this to achieve And then, second of all, how difficult is this to achieve when you're not playing Golos?
1: Well, Mike, uh, this card has has legitimately won games. Um, In EDH, this wins games. And and in Standard, when this card was being played, this won games. And that is because of a green spell that I'm definitely going to remember the name of. Uh, It's not Wilderness Reclamation. Scapeshift. Shift. Of course, it's Scapeshift. Shift. So the main way that a standard deck would win with this card Escape Shift, which is uh, you can sacrifice any number of lands you control, search your library for that many lands, put those lands out of the battlefield tapped, um, and then, of course, after you did that, you would then activate misses and immediately win the game. Now, it's a lot harder to find this land and also scapeshift in an EDH deck unless you're running Golos, Tireless Pilgrim, which... When it enters the battlefield, it allows you to tutor any land to the battlefield, uh, which is fantastic, and it makes this a lot more viable. I think Golos is probably your best option if you're trying to make a gate deck. And and recently with Return to Return to Ravnica, um, they've added, I think, one or two new gates. They've, they've also added more gate payoffs and gate-related adjacent effects. So I think that since this card's been released, it's definitely become more possible to win the game. The big thing is that you don't have to wait until you're upkeep. You just have to have to let this mana not this mana ability, this ability on the land resolve. This this is definitely possible, Mike. Obviously you need when you put this land in your deck, this land becomes a gates slash mazes end deck. There's absolutely no way that you're going to win the game unless you have designed your entire deck around this WinCon.
0: But you can
1: win if you do that.
0: I'm going to slightly disagree with you there. Uh, I do. It, it is definitely something where you have to have a good amount of your deck relying on it. Outside of Golos, I think, where Golos has a thousand different ways that it can win, because it's cheat out a whole bunch of spells, mana cost, ability, and get lands and do that. Outside of that deck, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, but this also might be my bias, because one of the people in my playgroup just recently made a Golos deck with Maze's End and Wan three different ways. Two of them uh, were Maze's End until we stopped Maze's End the second game, and then he brought back Maze's End and Wan. And then the third game, he didn't play Maze's End. He just beat us with Golosing things. But it's a fun card. I like I like the ability of get lands. If you have different lands you win. Um but yeah, it's it's it you're right, it wins games. Next card that we're talking about here is Mechanized Production. Two generic, blue blue, enchantment aura, enchant artifact you control. At the beginning of your upkeep, create a token that's a copy of Enchanted Artifact. Then if you control eight or more artifacts with the same name as an as one another, you win the game. Alex. Seems like this is another one of those blue make copies of stuff pretty easy thing to win the game with right
1: yeah i mean it's it's very easy for a blue artifact deck to to fill to fulfill that requirement to have eight copies of an artifact um also because you can do this with token artifacts if you have treasure tokens um, those are artifacts with the same name as each other if you eight treasure tokens however uh it's it's another at the beginning of your upkeep trigger and that's as we've said over and over and over, uh, that's very hard to win with.
0: Yeah, and, and again, if you do this with... I think the fun on this card is kind of determined by what you're making copies of, if that makes sense. If you're making copies of treasure tokens, I mean, okay, that's clever, but that doesn't feel like a big win. You know, it, it's, it's I'm going to play this card specifically to win the game. If you're making this with, I don't know, copying Solemn uh, Simulacrum, that sounds fun to me. You know, it's sure. like, I want to yeah. have all of the sad robots um, but So it can be fun It kind of just depends on how you use it As far as I'm concerned Would you agree on that Or is it just a fun card in general for you
1: I mean it's it's definitely A fun idea for a card um, Mixed copies of artifacts But again very very difficult To win with this card
0: Sure makes sense Next card Mortal Kombat uh, We have two generic And two black for an enchantment at the beginning of your upkeep, if 20 or more cards are in your graveyard, you end the game. 20 is a lot. But graveyards uh, are real good at putting creatures in them. So, I don't know. Alex, why don't you tell me? Yeah, 20 creature cards in your graveyard. Correct, 20 correct. 20 wow, that's a big um, thing to miss.
1: Yeah, that's that's a huge <laughs> difference. And that's because even, even the most creature-heavy decks, typically you won't see them running more than 30 creatures, roughly. Um, but, again... It's an upkeep trigger. This is part of that same cycle that uh, that epic struggle is a part of. Um, good luck winning the game with this. I'm going to be honest; it's this is very difficult.
0: Yeah, it it almost feels like for this to work, you have to have the the exactly perfect hermit druid trigger or something along those lines, where you're dumping a whole bunch of cards into your library or from your library into your graveyard and still have this in hand or still have this mm-hmm. out on the field, and then. You know, it's it's a secondary condition thing where bajuka Bog exists, Enchantment Removal exists. I don't know. It's It seems fun, but as far as how fun, I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't run this in any, in any of my decks, and I like alt-win cons. Uh, next card that we have here is Near-Death Experience. Two generic, three white for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have exactly one life, you win the game. Alex, how hard is it to pull off a win with this card? Well,
1: Mike, this card's very similar to, to Our Sovereign, except instead of being nice and safe up at 40-plus life, uh, you're way down at one life, which uh, you could die from anything. So uh, that's that's a pretty dangerous life total to sit at at all. And again, this has an upkeep trigger, so that's that's going to be very hard to win with. If you uh, If you resolve this somewhere earlier in the game and everybody ignores it, what what's the uh, what's the Orzov angel? Is that Selenia? I I forget her name. But uh, there's a there's an Orzov angel commander that allows you to pay down your life in increments of two freely. Um, so if if you already had this out, and people at your table are really oblivious and they don't realize you're playing a deck where you can pay life an arbitrary amount of life. Um, maybe you can win with this, but Mike, I just doubt it. I doubt it.
0: Yeah, and then the other the other way that I think you can win with this is there's a couple of there's a couple of effects that say if something would take you down to one uh, past one life, you have one life instead. Like the uh, I think angels Grace. Yeah, it, 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 there's that. There's I think there's the Sarah Planeswalker that gives you an emblem yeah. if you have a creep stuff like that. So I mean, there's ways, but. Worship then at the same time you still have to get to upkeep (laughs) and yeah it's the upkeep i think this is among the more i don't know if it's easier but i think there's more cards that get you to this point than a couple of the other upkeep trigger uh trigger cards uh to make you accomplish at least the first part it's so dangerous but it's really dangerous yeah again it's, it's a okay well i'm gonna remove this thing that's helping you or keeping you at one life and then going to shock you and you die it, it which again if you like living on that razor's edge this is definitely if you like having a literal near-death experience in magic there you go uh,
1: that's uh that's getting on that card isn't it hit a near-death experience it sure is an actual death experience
0: yeah ah uh, rest in peace rest in peace uh, next card that we have here is Revel Enriches, totally on the opposite side of your Death Experience. Uh, this is four generic and a black for an enchantment. Whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap, sacrifice this artifact, add one mana of any color to your manifold. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control ten or more treasures, you win the game. This is... I don't know if this is the easiest alternate win con, but it's among them as far as I'm concerned. Tell me why I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> well, again, I really don't disagree with you because reaching the point that you have 10 or more treasures, especially with this out, that's no problem because that first effect, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, make a treasure. That's a great effect. Uh, I think that's worth four and a black all by itself. Um, and. And I think a lot of black decks would be happy to run this. If you're running an aristocrats deck with a bunch of edicts, you'll love that effect. You're going to make a bunch of treasures. But I wouldn't count on getting to your upkeep when you're accumulating treasures and people let this remain on the board. Right. Um, it's
0: it's going to get removed. Sure, or it it, it has to because otherwise yeah. they lose the game. They're not big exactly. fans. Of, they're they're not yeah. big fans of that. Um. I don't know this is this is one of those cards that i know this and the next card uh even talking with some people that have listened to the podcast have had some a little bit of uh, feel bads on i've literally played in a play group where somebody played revel and riches and in, t- in the entire table groaned and he said listen i don't want to use this as the alt win con it's just that black market is only <laughs> if this was a second black market i'd play it you know, I'm not trying to do this for the alt win con. I, I don't know. I don't see why this is more feel bad than a lot of the other win cons. A lot of the other cards that we've talked about are going to talk about. I think it's. I think it's fun because um, at the same time, it if it's effective, it has something where you're actually using the resources at the same time. Because chances are, you're going to have to have that conversation as far as okay, I'm at seven treasures. If I get three more, I can win, but I also really want to play this six mana spell and I've only got, you know, this much mana left. Do I sacrifice? I like that kind of interaction in my turn, but I don't know. I think it's fun, I but maybe that's just me. What about you?
1: I really like the
0: first effect. Yeah, um, for sure. That's,
1: that's some fantastic value. You said your friend compared it to Black Market. That's an excellent comparison. Yeah. Um, black market is is quite the same except instead of getting treasure, you get uh, mana spontaneously generated at the beginning of your main phase. Instead of and instead of, uh, and instead of uh, mana that goes uh, away by
0: sacrificing it, it and yeah.
1: right, you just you just get it every turn. Right. Um, so that's slightly less valuable to to artifact decks, but there's not too many black artifact decks. It this this card might almost even be better if it didn't have the all-win con on it, because yeah. people might be less likely to remove it.
0: Yeah, I I, I I think that's where he was at, and that's kind of where I'm at as well. If this card just had... And even for the same mana cost, if it just removed the the win condition, I'd still probably play it in a few decks. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, it's it's a cool little bonus, and if you win that way... I know for a fact that I've seen somebody win on accident with this card. <laughs> So I get it uh, as far as the people that might potentially feel bad, but we're going to move on to another card that I think people might have a slightly different kind of concern with, and that is Simic Ascendancy. This is a blue-green enchantment. For a generic, a green, and a blue, you can put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. Whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are put onto on a creature you control, put that many growth counters on Simic Ascendancy. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Simic Ascendancy has twenty or more growth counters on it, you win the game. Alex, talk to me about, about this card here.
1: Well, Mike, this card is uh, this card is is quite reminiscent of Biovisionary, right? Because this is this is just straight up rewarding you for something that Simic is already doing. If there's if you're not copying creatures in Simic, you're probably putting 1-1 counters on creatures in Simic. Um, I mean, this the color combination has a, a wide berth of different things that it does, but most of the things it does are going to be with creatures um, and getting a ton of value off of those creatures. So this is really just kind of gravy, right? It has a mana sink, which is fantastic because Simic generates a lot of mana. And if you want to get rid of some of that mana, this is an easy way to do that. But... Again, this is another one of those cards that's extremely easy to fulfill the requirement, but it's very difficult to win with because got to wait till you're upkeep.
0: I agree, but I think at the same time the having a mana sink ability that doesn't require you to tap, you know, the enchantment itself, it just just if you're in a deck that generates a ton of mana and you can float it all, then you put a You put a stranglehold on, you have to remove this right now. Um, Whereas with a lot of these other upkeep trigger cards, they have to... There's a little bit more of a foresight on it. People can see it coming. People know, okay, well, we've got this much more time or we've got this much more. Whereas Simic Ascendancy, it literally just turns into, okay, um, I have infinite mana now, so I'm going to do this. You
1: know, Helix Pinnacle is also a Mana Sync, but that Mana Sync does not also generate value outside of the
0: Wind Con. Right, and for a two-mana enchantment that gives a good amount of value on its own, and then even small things like, okay, I'm going to play this Hydra, which comes in with these plus-one, plus-one counters, and okay, though that's a lot of stuff that's going to be added all at once. It's not a one-for-one mana to... uh sink into the card to get the ability mm-hmm. versus it's i get why people can have issues with this card at the same time i don't know it's it, if you play it and you win with it good for you i don't know that it's necessarily a fun card to win with but it's very effective card and i don't have a problem with it does that make sense
1: yeah um, all i can just do is, is reiterate that even if it, it has great value um, it's rewarding you for doing what you already wanted to do. The fact that it has to wait until your upkeep makes it a lot harder to win with than, I mean, people are scared of you winning instantly, but you're not going to win out of nowhere with this card. Right,
0: right. And that's, and that's fair. At the same time, if, if, if people have an issue with this card, that's because you're probably not putting enough removal in your decks. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you got I I know it's fun to do the battle cruiser magic. You need enchantment removal. You 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 specifically need enchantment removal, but you put removal in your decks. Next card here is Test of Endurance. This is a two generic white white enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you have 50 or more life, you win the game. Go ahead, Alex.
1: Uh this is just a harder to fulfill and harder to remove version of Philadar Sovereign. Yep. Um what's what's to say about this one? It's part of the same cycle. That's uh, Epic Struggle, Mortal Kombat, and the other cards are in. Um, good luck. I mean, yeah, you can get to 50 or more life in a life gain deck. That's no problem. Sure. The problem is the upkeep trigger. Absolutely.
0: And and if, uh, this is one of those cards that if you're in a life gain deck specifically, you should probably have it in there as an alt-win card. Sure. Why but not? I almost consider it a... It's kind of like when you b- try and bait the counterspell. You know, it, it's like, uh, I'm going to put this out here. So yeah, people absolutely. hopefully remove this so I can play the thing I actually want to win with. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like Test of Endurance is kind of the, oh, I'll put this out here. So when somebody destroys it before the, the trigger can happen to where I win the game, okay, well, now I'm going to play my Aether Flux Reservoir. You know, kind of like... Exactly. It, it's something exactly. along those lines. But if you win with it, great. Um and I, I again, Ed, I'm a big fan of flavor. It's literally a test of endurance. If I have this much life at this point, I win the game because I, mm-hmm. I am the mightiest. Huzzah! Um, but yeah, so yep. those are those are most of the win condition alt win con cards. Um, then there are three that follow the same track, and these are I'd say easily the most popular ones that you see. Uh, Jace, Wielder of Mysteries 1 generic, 3 blue Legendary Planeswalker for 4 Loyalty, Stack, Static Effect if you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead it uh, has other abilities but just to move on Laboratory Maniac, 2 generic 1 blue, Human Wizard 2-2, two, two. if you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it you win the game and then the more recent Thassa's Oracle 2 blue For a merfolk wizard, when it enters the battlefield, look at the top X cards of your library, where X is your devotion to blue. Put up to one of them on top of your library and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. If X is greater than or equal to the number of cards in your library, you win the game. So these are library draw effects and manipulation to where if you can't draw a card or if this then you automatically win the game right then. I know that these are different cards, slightly, but they all have kind of the same context of what they're trying to do. Alex, how easy is it to win with these cards?
1: Mike, these are probably the most popular alternate win conditions in Commander. Yeah. Um, And it's easy to see why, because these are extremely powerful combo payoff cards. Um, They're all blue and if there's one thing blue is good at, it's drawing cards and milling. And if you were to execute a combo of the draw or mill variety, it would be trivially easy to convert that infinite resource into infinite draw, draw your entire deck, and instead of losing the game, Labman, Dasa's, Jace, they say you win the game instead. These are competitive level win cons. These are combo payoff cards. Everybody knows these cards. Um, they're very powerful. They're very effective, and they do. W- they're going to win you the game if you build your deck around them. And uh, and a lot of people have, and uh, and I don't begrudge people for doing that because you have to win the game at some point, and these are extremely effective ways to do that. But I think a lot of people might find these boring outside of a competitive en- environment.
0: Um, Mike, how do you feel about these? So, they're they're easily the most popular as far as alt-win cons, based on Mm -hmm. what I've seen and even just EDH rec, when you compare these to the other alt-win cards these have more (laughs) in them than even, you know, things that are that can be in multiple decks as opposed to, Mm -hmm. you know, these specifically have the requirement of being blue they're extremely powerful because of what you've said before, there's not waiting for a certain time frame to do it, it's just, if this happens ever you win that mm-hmm. moment so I get why they're played I get why they're strong I, I just don't there's a whole lot of cards that I'm not a big fan of and they all come down to just about one thing which is when it's played everybody groans because either the game is completely changed in a not fun for the table way or the game is done I don't mind people winning out of nowhere it's fine but man, I have I have been beaten by Lab Man so many times that when they decided they were going to print a Planeswalker Lab Man with Jace and a not Lab Man, but Lab Man with Thassa's Oracle. I, I'm not a big fan of these. I don't run any of them, including a couple of decks that I draw out real easily. I'm not going to hold it against you if you think it's fun to win this way, though. Because it is a powerful way to win the game. And like you said, at some point somebody has to win but i don't necessarily know that i want to win that
1: way well mike i'm going to be honest when i'm building my decks the last thing that i'm thinking about is how my deck is going to win mm. and i know that 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 may ring true for some people and for other people they might be like what the hell's wrong with you uh, you're you're playing to win but when i'm building my decks i'm thinking of all the fun interactions i'm going to have i'm thinking of all the fun the table's going to have with my wacky shenanigans um, I'm thinking of how I'm expressing myself with the deck. Like the last thing I'm thinking about is how I'm going to win. And so that's that's quite in stark contrast to the fact that I need to win, right? Eventually, you need to win. And that's why when, when I need to, to put in win cons, I'm thinking of those as vegetables, right? Mm. Like I have to have them in there. And because I have to have them in there, I'm not necessarily feeling like I really have to get that creative with them. And because sure. of that, in my NIN the Pin artist deck, which I feel is a very creative uh, deck that is is off the beaten path, even for NIN decks, but certainly for group hug decks, um, Mike, I have I have Lab Man in that deck, and I have Jason in that deck, and I I have no shame in winning with those cards because I'm going to be honest, I'm probably not going to win with that deck, but if I'm ever going to win with that deck, it would only be able to be with one of those style sure. of effects.
0: I'm 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 not I'm not I'm not shading uh, these cards. No, no, it's it's, fine. it's more of a I don't like winning or losing to the same effect over and over and over. I don't mind if somebody wins with these cards. I mind if it's the only way that they win, and it's in a combo setting to where I'm going to do this to instantly do this. The game's over. At the same time when you're talking about your Nin deck, that deck is it it's not trying to get this card out immediately and immediately win on the turn that you play it or things like that. I don't like I said it's 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 kind of this weird line where it's fun. And part of that is because of you as a player, part of it is because of that deck. And I don't know. Do do you do you even tutor for those cards, or do you just draw them eventually? No, there's there's no tutors yeah.
1: really in that. There's no way to find
0: those I cards. Think it, I think it's more of the, when the way that the, the deck wins is it gets those cards out as soon as possible, mills their library, and wins the game, and tries to do it more in, in the CEDH territory than the casual play setting. That's where I go, all right, fine, you win, let's shuffle up and play again. Kind of a thing. It's not even an angry thing. I don't get salty about it. It's just more of a tedious, all right, well, I guess we need to shuffle up (laughs) because a lab man came onto the battlefield. Are you going to win this turn? No? Okay. Wow. All right, let's keep going. And that I'm fine with. Um, But that's kind of the point of these alt-win cons. Like, because they say you win the game, they're all going to have a little bit of a different context and a little bit of a different feel, and frankly, they're going to have pretty varying reactions Uh, from the rest of the table when you do play them so be aware of that and know that some of them you know maybe they'll get feel bad but they're also probably just a little jealous because they watched you win the game so have a good time with it, mike i'm gonna i'm gonna
1: poke at you a little bit yeah um (laughs) uh you've you've expressed great disdain for this idea of winning out of nowhere as we've talked about these cards that some of these effects allow you to win without threatening to win as it were Mm -hmm. um you kind of pull out the checkmate from thin air like it's magic mike if there's one way to make sure that that doesn't happen
0: no it's a a stack stack no i've become what i hate
1: ah you've been hoist by your own guitar that's all i had to say
0: okay well you know we're gonna take a break where i'm gonna get a little bit of time to uh, reevaluate my life and we'll be right back with some (laughs) advice for newer players, older players, talk about a couple of cards that wow, I thought I had one um that I haven't seen in a lot of decks and you you barely beat me but still managed to beat me. And then we're going to talk about what we consider the most powerful words in Magic, even more powerful than you win the game in some contexts. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back. Okay, Alex, so our advice for our players this week, something on Hey, it's present Mike filling in for past Mike. Our audio has gotten so much better. Thanks for sticking around with us. So we're going to talk about some cards that are really underplayed. We each think that we're bringing some really interesting cards to the table, and if you want to grab them or any other cards, you can help us out in the process. We have partnered with TCGplayer.com. So if you're looking for any singles, sealed product, deck boxes, sleeves, playmats, really anything to spice up your game experience, go to bit.ly slash Or click on the link in our show notes. You don't pay anything extra and you'll really help us out by buying all the things you are going to anyway. That's bit.ly slash EDH social. Or click the link in our show notes. Back to the show. Something new. Uh, For newer players, we just talked about Alt Win Cons, which are very, very apparent threats because they are cards that literally say win the game when you're not dealing with cards like that sometimes it's hard to know what the biggest threat on the board is sometimes it's especially for newer players hard to know who the biggest threat as a player is if you don't know what needs to be done ask ask the table you're going to get at least some information sometimes you'll find out that you're the arch enemy and you weren't aware of it But it's a complicated game that we play. People should be forgiving if you're trying to understand what's going on. If you're actually asking for the community that you're playing with to give you some information and to help you parse through all of these different effects that are on everybody's table and how they interact with each other and who's at what life total and who can win if they get the right piece out immediately. It's okay to take a breath and just ask. If you're given a hard time for your inexperience without knowing exactly what's going on, find a different group. Because this is, Mm -hmm. again, a casual format. Yes, we want to win the game. Yes, we want to do these awesome things, and sometimes those things are stopping other people from doing their awesome things. But at the end of the day, just take a deep breath, know that everybody's there to have a good time, and if you find out more information, it's going to mean that you're making the right play, or at least the most well-informed play. No one's going to be able to fault you for that. And again, if they do, well, they kind of suck. So, don't play with them anymore. That, that's what I'm telling new players this week.
1: Absolutely, Mike. That's this is I feel completely different from the what we talked about the other the other episode, which is veteran players not paying attention and then needing to ask what's going on. Yeah. I consider this completely separate from that. If this is, like you said, it's a complicated game, and threat assessment is a skill that must be trained and learned, um, and it's it, people don't walk in with with perfect threat assessment. So yeah, it, if you need help with that, you just ask. People will help you. And again, if they don't, they're they're bad people. Don't play with them.
0: And even more on that, it's this is a game that's extremely complicated and only gets more complicated with time. More cards mm-hmm. are being added. Is it Angel of Destiny the card that just came out that says it's a two six flying double strike that whenever it hits a whenever a creature you control hits a player you each gain life as opposed to losing life, and yeah, and at a certain point like that's a that's a complicated card. There's a lot going on with that card, which means that's an
1: you, alt lose con right there.
0: It yeah, and we're not we're not including those as much because it's all player loses as opposed to you know you winning the game.
1: I think they're almost two sides of the same coin. We might want to have a, a section about that in the future. I, I, like
0: Phage the Untouchable. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a uh, uh, not necessarily win the game, but be- <laughs> make somebody lose the game. Um, maybe that'll be the the actual topic itself. Uh, it's It's a complicated game that only gets more complicated as it goes. So not being fully aware of how something works because you don't understand it, it's okay to raise your hand and get some information. So that's where I'm at this time. Absolutely. Week. Alex, Absolutely what about Mike. you? Well,
1: uh, this is this is an opinion that I feel used to be a lot more controversial, but in light of recent events, namely uh, the most recent Secret Lair announcement, people have really started to change their tune, and I'm very happy about that. I'm, I'm talking about proxying. Um, now, Mike, I'm a judge, and as such, I, in some even in direct capacity, represent the game of Magic and, and represent Wizards of the Coast. So I want to say right off the bat, if you are playing in a sanctioned event, like a tournament, you're playing in any format that isn't Commander. I'm talking standard, limited, legacy, modern, any of that. Obviously, you're not allowed to proxy unless the event specifically says that you are. But we're not talking about any of that today, Mike. We're talking about Commander. And Commander is a casual format, and that format is often played at a kitchen table or at a table in a game store that's not sanctioned um, or in any casual environment. And the fact of the matter is that nobody's going to be looking over your shoulder and, and punishing you for this kind of thing. So my advice to older veteran players, this is a casual format. If you can't afford a card, proxy it. And if you see another player using a proxy, don't don't hate on them. Don't berate them. Don't draw attention to them, because this is part of a larger discussion that I really won't get into right now, but the fact of the matter is that not everybody, Mike, has the same amount of money, and I think it's very inappropriate for somebody to draw attention to the fact that somebody doesn't have as much money as you do, and then laugh at them for that, or make them feel bad about that. Because, Mike, this game's very, very expensive, this is an expensive game. This is an expensive format, and it's getting more expensive all the time. Wizards of the Coast feels no obligation to make the cards in this game affordable or accessible. And likewise, you should not feel an obligation to, to buy cards that you can't afford. There's definitely a point to be said about supporting your local game store, but the fact of the matter is that if it's a, if it's a card that you can't afford, you weren't going to buy it from your local game store anyway. So, Mike, how do, how do you feel about proxies? Personally, I'm, I'm for them.
0: So, I'm, I'm all for them. There is a huge difference between using a proxy of a Gaius Cradle, because it's on the reserved list and it's a 400 something dollar card, depending on where you're going, um, versus using a silver-bordered card, which is just not something that's supposed to be in the format because it's a completely different effect. You're right. Wizards doesn't feel the need to bring down their costs on some of these cards, which, they're a business. That's fine. You, you, I, I can't fault them for that. I'd like it if the cards were cheaper because that's more beneficial to me and everybody, and maybe it makes the game more accessible than it was before. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. The difference is, is if you have a proxy of a card and somebody makes you feel bad for that card, I get them, you know, making you feel bad because they've invested their money or at least they've invested, you know, the gamble of pulling the right packs to get the right card, and you're taking a cheat step, and I'm doing that with the heaviest of heavy air quotes, Uh to do so. I get that it stinks a little bit. A little bit. That you paid... uh, The example for me was $50 uh, $50 for Sneak Attack a couple of years ago. Uh Or, well, I can get this proxy for 25 cents. I get it. It, it, it it's it's a well I worked hard on my job to get paid to use my money to pay for this and I feel like they're skipping a step I get it here's my counter it's a game shut up you know like it's if you want people to only be able to play with exactly the resources that they have then you're going to get a lot of people that are just playing pre-cons and those are at a lower, you know, starting power level than the stuff that you have access to. Let's talk about how much people love EA as a company because of all the pay to win games and, and everything else that's going on. Let's, let's talk about if everything is just based off of if you have the most money, you will win. And there is a little bit of that in our format. That seems silly to me. And it seems even sillier for people to get antagonistic and downright just vitriolic if you're doing what you can within your means to make something as far as a concept in your head to make this deck work. So I'm with you. I, I don't have a problem with proxies. In fact, that the, the jumbo commander-sized cards that come in a lot of those uh, pre-cons... I bought sleeves for those cards. At some point, I'm going to make an entire deck made of just jumbo-sized <laughs> library reader, uh, big print cards. Because I think that's hilarious. So I'm, I'm with you. I don't I don't understand people getting upset about proxies in a non-tournament setting.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I love the idea of a, of an all-big deck. By the way, I've seen one other person do it, but you're. I mean, the fact of the matter is, Mike, that there's not there's not enough uh, big cards, so you're going to have to you're going to have to proxy some of those big cards yeah. to make a whole deck. Uh, um, oh, I'm aware. <laughs> that, I want to I want to do some callouts, but not I'm not going to call out any specific names. But as we talked about, the content creators tend to have obviously content creators for for Commander are not a monolith. They're all different people. They all have their different lives and opinions, but just like content creators are somewhat monolithic on not liking Group Hub and Symmetric cards. Content creators that I've noticed, especially the big, big players, and I'm not going to name any names, are very anti-proxy. And I think that that has a big trickle-down impact on people who consume their content. If you hear somebody who you respect, who is a big name in the Commander content sphere, and they say, oh, you shouldn't proxy because blah, 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 because other people had to buy those cards. You know what? With respect, uh, some of those people, some of those content creators didn't even have to buy their cards. Some of those content creators have a lot more money than the average player. And some of those content creators need to need to take a seat and respect that not everybody has as much money as them. Um, because it's it's just disrespectful. It's not respectful to to be drawing attention to the fact that somebody is poorer than you. Frankly, Mike, that's just rude.
0: Yeah, there's there's a huge difference, and at a certain point, it's you know your your advice, like our advice, most weeks is, hey, be a good person. <laughs> you know, it's 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 a game. We're having a good time, or at least we're hopefully having a good time. I I get that there's certain ways to abuse proxies, and you know oh, well, here's my what would be a $6,000 deck, but I, I paid 10 bucks worth of cardboard. I don't even think I that that's it, but...
1: abusing, though. That's There's a completely separate conversation that's gotten completely wrapped up in proxies, and we might have to have a, a whole episode about this, but there's two completely separate conversations happening. There's the proxy conversation, and there's the power conversation. And right. somewhere along the way, these became conflated in such a way that, a significant number of people believe that powerful cards are expensive because they're powerful and desirable, and that the best way for people to be running those or not running those, that is their inherent commonality in decks, is that they're so expensive that few people can run them. And so that's the fair way to make sure that a lot of people don't play them. And that when you proxy those powerful cards, you break that parity by allowing a not rich player to run powerful cards, then, like, I realize that they don't think about it in that terms, but that's really what it boils down to, and I just think that's terrible.
0: I, I again, I don't disagree. I, I, I think we're going to move on here. Yeah, but our advice this week is it really draws down to the same thing that it usually does, which is just, hey, if somebody doesn't know what's going on, help them out. Mm-hmm. Don't be a jerk about it. If somebody has proxies because either they can't afford the cards that they're wanting to get, or just if they don't want to spend $500 on a commander deck, it's fine. It's cool. That's their business. The whole point is the game. That's it. (laughs) So we're going to move on to a couple of cards, and... I, frankly, you're definitely not going to need a proxy of either of these, as far as I <laughs> can tell. Um, we're, we're going super budget-friendly uh, this week. I have no problem starting with our... Ooh, can I see that? Um, so I want to go ahead and give a shout-out. Um, so I am on Facebook am a part of a group called the Magic the Gathering EDH Commander Group. 60,000-plus members, something along those lines. And I contacted one of the people in there named David Kenny. And if I'm getting his name wrong, I apologize. But he's posted a bunch of things that he calls the great card you might not know about. And I've had a good time looking at these. I've bought several of these. And he had a really fun one for me this week called Defensive Formation. This is a one-white enchantment. Instead of the attacking player... You choose how creatures attacking you deal combat damage. So that sounds like a really, you know, okay, sure, whatever, card. Here's the thing. If you have blockers and you're a tokens deck, or you just have a whole bunch of little hate bears, would you like to be able to remove trample, double strike, death touch, the abilities of the questing beast, from being something that are terrifying because you get to actually assign damage the way that you want to. Um, Banding is a really, really cool mechanic, I think, because I still have a hard time explaining how banding works. (laughs) So this is a card where if somebody's attacking you with a 20-20 and you block with a 1-1, you can decide to assign all 20 damage to that 1-1. You've essentially taken Trample away from this creature for one mana. I love this card. This card is about $0.30, and I was thrilled that I found a card that there was no way Alex was going to have in less decks on EDH Rec than me. And I found out I was wrong. But this card is in 77 decks Mm. out of over uh, over 180,000. It's in 77 decks. If you have an Enchantress deck, this is fun because it's a one-mana enchantment. If you're in a tokens deck, this is fun, because it is, if I have tokens, things aren't going to bother me. I love this card. Alex, what do you think?
1: Mike, this is a great card. It's funny, I have this card sitting in my trade binder right now. Nobody pays this card any mind, probably because they don't understand the implications of the power of having that effect. Like you said, it basically makes trample not trample because trample is is an option the player who is attacking decides whether or not they're going to uh, take the extra lethal damage the damage that is past lethal and assign it to the next blocker or if all blockers have been dealt lethal damage to the planeswalker player you're attacking Um, obviously that is usually a trivial choice. They pretty much are always going to want to to trample through. But with this card, you just say, yeah. no. No, you're not trampling through. You're going, no. to, you're going to deal way more damage than is necessary to my creature because that creature basically doesn't even have trample. Even though it doesn't lose the ability, the effect of trample has been negated de facto. And that goes for a 100%. lot of different things. Uh, one of the most dangerous things that you can see on a creature this creature may assign combat damage as though it hasn't been blocked.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: that's mega trample because you don't even yeah. have to worry about creatures blocking it. Uh, it's That's effectively unblockable, but even stronger. Because there are effects that allow you to force a creature to become blocked. They're not common. But this creature may assign combat damage as though it wasn't blocked. Means it doesn't matter what you put in front of this creature... It's going through. It has Ultra Trample. But the defensive formation says no. Not only does it not have Ultra Trample, it doesn't have any Trample.
0: It has it, this creature can be blocked by a O1. Yeah. And you will take it and like it. Which, uh, that I, again, seems like a pretty powerful effect <laughs> for the, one mana as far as I'm concerned. So David, Kenny, uh, great job. Great content. If you're not a part of that uh, Facebook group, Jump on it. Yeah. Again, David puts out a lot of good stuff, so you're probably going to be hearing his name uh, from time to time on the podcast here. Alex, what do you have for us this week? Yeah, that's a great pick, Mike. Um, this week I have a card that, again, is
1: on the reserve list, but this is not an expensive card that's on the reserve list. This is one of those ones that's it's a deep cut way down in the weeds that nobody cares or knows about. And, Mike, this is this is a Stacks card, so you might not like this card. But
0: it is, but It is, but its it, it, we'll get into it. It's more friendly, stacks, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Or at least it can be. Go ahead. So this
1: card is Null Chamber. It's for three and a white. It's a world enchantment. And I'll talk about that in a second. As Null Chamber enters the battlefield, you and an opponent each choose a card name other than a basic land card name. So you can choose any card name that's not... Forest, Mountain, Island, any of those, including their snow-covered variants, and Wastes. You can't choose any of those. But you can choose literally anything else. Spells with the chosen names can't be cast, and lands with the chosen names can't be played. Wow, so uh, Nevermore is a pretty popular stacks piece. That's one in double yep. white. That's uh, that's this, except you pick one card. This is This is that exact same thing. This is Nevermore, except also it hits non-basic lands. And also, one of your opponents gets to pick one too. So you're you're banning two cards. And this is an this is an exceptionally interesting political piece. I mean the what I do with Nevermore is I'll name I'll name the troublesome players Commander. They can't cast their commander, but you can do anything with this. Say that's uh, say that the mono black player has Erborg play, and they just used a mono tutor, you know that they just went for Cabal Coffers. Mike, just play this and name Cabal Coffers. And then maybe your uh, your other opponent can name their commander. So that player that thought they were going to win the game, maybe now they're locked out of the game. Uh, I think this is a very fun card. This is a $3 card. It's on the reserve list. It's $3. Came out of Mirage. Uh, Mike, this card is in 50 decks.
0: Yep. Beat me. Beat me this week. <laughs> um Here's, here's the other thing that I like about it as far as it, it's it's stacksy, but it's, it's you know, somewhat equal opportunity stacksy because you're at least giving someone else to give an option there. The other thing that I like about it is you can, if you want to be real, real hateful with it, you can basically just play this card. And before you pick anybody, say, okay, who wants to make a deal? Mm-hmm. That you and I are going to have a one-on-one match from this point forward. How evil. Because it, it, you can just sit there and say, okay, I'm going to pick his commander, you're going to pick her commander, and then it's just me and you. Let's get rid of these two guys. The life you know? of fun. It, and, and, and that, that again, game got to end. This is a good way to end games <laughs> because you are deciding that you're not going to play this thing that your deck revolves around. I don't want you to get excited. Okay, I'm going to preface this. I'm not warming up to stacks. You can't make me feel those feelings. Are you sure? Stop it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll, but, we'll get Mike on the stacks team one of these days.
0: But I understand that it needs to be a part of the game.
1: Hey, Mike, you know what you can name with this card? Lab Man and Thassa's Oracle.
0: I know, and that's why I'm like, okay, I'm leaning into it. I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> um, but this is, this is a good way to stop people from doing. It just think of it more as that this will stop you from doing terrible things, card. And then I'm, in, I'm okay with it, as opposed to a stop other people from having fun card. It can be both, and in fact, sometimes it is both. But whatever helps you sleep at night, and I, I. I'm really good at living in a in my own reality whenever I see fit.
1: Well, but Mike, I'm glad I'm glad you like you. the cards. Thank you. Um Absolutely. briefly I want to I want to mention World Enchantment. I'm not gonna really get into that because yeah. that's not my judge's corner. But World, oh, world Enchantment is a very esoteric effect that uh, yeah. that a lot of players may not even realize is is still a rule. Um a very long time ago, wizards designed these cards that were world enchantments. Uh, world is a super type. And that basically means that if you have one or more permanents that are on the battlefield with the super type world, and another world permanent enters the battlefield, and realistically, there's only world enchantments, there's no other world uh, types, but it doesn't matter as long as it has that super type. If another world permanent would enter the battlefield, you're going to uh, put every other world permanent that's on the battlefield into the graveyard. That's a state-based action. Um, This is very similar to the Legend rule, except that unlike the Legend rule, we're not talking about, like, if you have two Null Chambers, all but one of them go to the graveyard. Literally, on the entire battlefield, that includes your opponents as well, there can only be a single world permanent. There are a few other cards that get played in Commander that, that have... Uh, the World Super Type. Um, there's that green enchantments. It's not Cascading Cataracts. It's
0: it's uh... Concordant Crossroads. Thank
1: you, Concordant Cross. I always mix those two up. Concordant Crossroads. I got it's, one. It's a single green. <laughs> it's a World Enchantment. It says all creatures have haste. Uh, that's that's probably the most likely World Enchantment you're going to see. But if you were to play this, uh, <laughs> in addition to to banning two cards from being cast or played. You would also then immediately destroy Concord Crossroads as a little bonus, right?
0: Yeah, the world. The world only gets one overlying enchantment at it at a time, and I know there's a couple. I know uh, the black one is oh, an extremely Lord. expensive card. The abyss. And, yep. That so now that's
1: a stacks piece.
0: That is. That's a
1: four hundred dollars <laughs> stacks piece right there. We're not going to talk about yeah. that.
0: Yeah. No, but yes. Yeah, so uh, good. Good aside on. Uh, how enchant world works great pick uh Thank for you. cards that people probably don't know about or at least aren't using as often as maybe they should i'll admit this is one that i don't have but i wouldn't be averse to it mm-hmm. so that is that that is the caveat that i'll give you as far as i'm not warming up to uh, we'll, so much. we'll
1: win you yet mike we're going to
0: all right well moving on because I don't want to have that conversation anymore. Oh, okay. Um, We're pushing a little long here, but it's been, you know, it's been fun conversation and I definitely want to hit this last set piece uh, in our judge's corner. Um, So Alex, you win the game is a, is text on a card that's extremely powerful. But as you've told me before, it's still not the most powerful card or powerful word in magic. And you're going to give us what that is and more specifically some of the ways that you can even get around that go
1: ahead yeah mike the most powerful word of magic is can't uh if you see the word can't on an effect no means no right if an effect says something can't happen it is impossible for it to happen however this is magic and magic is nothing if not full of asterisks and technicalities and oh yes, but um, actuallys, and uh, that definitely applies for the word can't. There are definitely ways to get around the can't effect that don't technically involve violating it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about some of these here. Let's let's go ahead and start with Null Chamber, which is the card that I just said, and I'll read the second clause again: Spells with the chosen names can't be cast, and lands with the chosen names can't be played. So there's no way around that, right? You can't cast those spells, and you can't play those lands. However, that doesn't mean that if that spell is permanent, that it can't enter the battlefield without being cast. If you name a land, that doesn't mean that land can't be put onto the battlefield without being played. Because put and played are two very different verbs for a land. Playing a land is a special action. You can only do that once per turn most of the time. Putting a land onto the battlefield, that can just straight up happen. And if that happens, well, no chamber can't stop it. Uh, so this, the word can't is, is quite strong, but there are ways around it. Let's, let's talk about a few other examples here. Um, how about glacial chasm, one of my favorite lands? There are a lot of effects on that land, but the relevant one right here is creatures you control can't attack. Now, again, no means no. You cannot have your creatures attack, but attack is a verb. And in magic, can't attack means can't be declared as an attacker during the declare-attacker step of combat. That's the full definition of that word. As you may know, there are other ways that creatures can attack without being declared as an attacker. For example, you may have heard of a little commander called Kali of the Vast. Kali of the Vast has you put a creature from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. And there are other effects that do that as well. That does not violate the terms of glacial chasms creatures you control can't attack because you never declared them as attackers. They just are attacking. So again, that's a very powerful word, but we can get around it. And I'll have one last example here. Supreme verdict. Supreme verdict, destroy all creatures. This spell can't be countered. Now, when you see Supreme Verdicts, you might just give up all hope and say, oh my god, there's a, you can't counter it, the spell's going to resolve no matter what. First part's true. You can't counter it, so counter spells are not going to work. However, that doesn't mean that the spell has to resolve. If you are able to end the turn, ending the turn prematurely with an effect like Time Stop or Sundial of the Infinite, uh, there's also an, an upcoming commander. We're not going to reveal too much, but that that has an effect related to ending the turn. When you end the turn prematurely, all objects on the stack are exiled. As time stop resolves, it's also exiled because it's ending the turn. It's exiling everything on the stack. When you exile an object on the stack, that's not countering the spell. Technically, that's not countering the spell. And because it's not countering the spell, if you exile the stack with Supreme Verdict on the stack... No, the spell doesn't resolve, but it also wasn't countered. So Mike, "can't" is an extremely, extremely powerful word, and there's no way around it except when there is.
0: So, like we said before, if you don't know what the biggest threat is on the table, or you don't <laughs> it's know. It's me. It's me. Exactly. I'm the threat. And sure, sure. It, but the point is, is that it's a very complicated game. The most powerful word in the game is "can't." which is something that you can also get around. So, there, so it's one of those things that everybody, there's a lot of weird interactions. Enjoy the game. Alex, I had a great time talking with you this week about different ways to win the game in some non-traditional format. Um, thanks for being here.
1: Absolutely, Mike. I'm always happy to be here.
0: All right, guys. Uh, until next week, uh, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got magic in my hand. I ain't ever good enough. And every time it goes my upkeep, everybody's hands go up. And then they remove the thing that I'm probably going to win with, and then I get sad. We'll talk to you next week.